I'm Kate Young, and you're listening to This is Purdue, the official podcast for Purdue University. As a Purdue alum and Indiana native, I know firsthand about the family of students and professors who are in it together, persistently pursuing and relentlessly rethinking. Who are the next game changers, difference makers, ceiling breakers, innovators? Who are these boilermakers? Join me as we feature students, faculty, and alumni taking small steps toward their giant leaps and inspiring others to do the same. There aren't many universities that can take the kind of pride that we have in our work ethic, our frozen tuition, and the benefits that it gives not only the students, but the families of students. Purdue people are really special and they come through when they're asked to help. In this episode of This is Purdue, we're talking to Matt Folk, president and CEO of the Purdue for Life Foundation. And I am so excited to share this episode with you all today because this is part of a new podcast series called Boilermaker Bites, where we interview incredible Boilermaker guests at iconic Purdue restaurants. For this interview, we dined at 811 Modern Bistro, part of the Purdue Union Club Hotel, inside the historic Purdue Memorial Union. Over a delicious meal of pasta with a French butter sauce and truffle oil topped with grilled scallops, Matt and I discussed Purdue for Life's goal of helping everyone who is part of the Purdue community stay connected, get involved, and give back. From frozen tuition to the establishment of new buildings on campus to creating life-changing scholarships and more, the funds raised by Purdue for Life help keep the Purdue community we love thriving. And as a Boilermaker himself, Matt knows how deep the Purdue spirit runs and that it doesn't end after graduation. It lasts a lifetime. So let's get into my conversation with Matt. Oh, and a quick warning, this episode will likely make you a bit hungry. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the official university podcast. We're thrilled to have you. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. This is our first time shooting something in a restaurant that we're really excited about. Tell us a little bit about your affiliation with 811 really quickly for our listeners and our viewers. 811, you know, the whole upgrade to the hotel was brought to Purdue by the um, White Lodging and the um, Bruce White family and and, uh, the White Foundation. So big lead gift to develop this hotel and the restaurants and do all the changes that then led into the whole basement redo and even some work coming on upstairs. So it's pretty appropriate to be eating here for dinner and I'm also here all the time with donors. So it's uh, very familiar to me. Absolutely. Okay, so let's kick it off. You graduated from Purdue. Tell us a little bit about your Purdue journey. How did you first find out about Purdue? What made you want to come here? Oh, I think I've Purdue is probably one of the first words I heard as a baby. Um, if I remember, my uh, my uncle was a Purdue student about the time frame I was born. My aunt was a professor here, other side of the family. So just had some good ties going all the way back. And my, uh, my aunt and uncle would bring uh, dad and I and my little sister to football and basketball games as a kid, et cetera. So uh, I've got all kinds of memories as a child all the way up through current time frame. So when you graduated high school, you knew you were coming here? Well, I was debating whether to do business at a, maybe a different business school at that point in time or engineering. I knew that engineering would be better for the career longer term. And frankly, engineers can do absolutely anything from a career standpoint, especially electrical engineer. So I chose to do that path. So Matt was clearly a Boilermaker since birth. 
He shares a few of his favorite memories from his time as a student in Purdue University's Elmore Family School of Electrical and Computer Engineering. Do you have a favorite memory? I'm sure there's a couple from your time as a student, but if you well, could a, share one. I'm a big basketball guy, so I loved um, coming to basketball games. And then I think just the other great memories were, you know, to get through electrical engineering, you pretty much have to have a study group of about 15 to 20 guys and gals that are helping everybody gut through the whole thing. Because in a lot of cases, it's not a lot of fun. But that, you know, just cracking on each other and having a good time doing the studying. And then, of course, the Friday night through about Sunday at noon was the only times we weren't, you know, pretty much studying. But... At those point in times, we, we'd go out and have a pretty good time around <laughs> campus and Chauncey and Perry's and other places. Let's talk a little bit about your journey from graduation to your current role. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that your current role involves a lot of electrical engineering. I could be Yeah, I, I'm probably the only electrical engineer in the country running a university uh, advancement model, but so that's a little strange. <laughs> you know, I graduated on a Saturday, started working on a Monday, moved quickly through different job functions at TMC, Technology Marketing Corporation. Got a big break when Lexmark International sold off from IBM. I moved down to Lexington and took that from a muddling sort of territory to one of our biggest ones, well, our biggest territory in the country and was doing really big numbers at that point in time. And that led to then managing divisions and then eventually president of the company and buying out the partners and owning the whole thing lock, stock and barrel. To further set the stage here, I want to describe the look and feel of 811 Modern Bistro. It's elegant, yet also modern, as its name suggests, with grand chandeliers and smooth brown leather booths. We were seated at the chef's table, which overlooks the kitchen, so we could watch all of the action. From the steak sizzling in butter, to creamy pasta dishes being whipped up, to fresh salads being topped with homemade dressings. There's a large crystal chandelier above us, and this special chef's table is made of beautiful white marble. Hello, good evening. How are we doing today? We are great. great. Awesome. Well, my name is Katie. I will be taking care of you tonight. Hi, Have Katie. you dined with us before? Tons, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll I have only been here once, so I'm looking. Really? Yes, I'm looking for recommendations. We do have some really good appetizers. The most popular one would be the craft croquettes. Uh, so okay. those are going to be five little craft croquettes. We make them with our mashed potatoes, the crab, and then we fry them. And then it comes with a lemon aioli on the side. Yeah. Super delicious. The other one that's very popular would be the burrata cheese. So that is going to come with your burrata and apricot jam on the side, truffle honey on top, and then it comes with some sourdough toast on the side so that you can use it as a spread. That's personally my favorite. But if you would like a few more minutes, I can go over some other things or talk about I heard you about. have a delicious mocktail that I'm interested in. We do. We have a couple options. So we do have a strawberry basil lemonade. So we make the syrups here in-house. So we have the strawberry basil syrup and it's mixed with a little bit of a regular lemonade and then we top it off with some soda water. That one's one option. And then we also have the Trinity and Sage. So that's gonna be our house-made sage with agave, and then it comes with pineapple and grapefruit juice, and then we shake it and we pour it over ice. That one's pretty good as well. Those sound delicious. I, can I do the strawberry basil lemonade? Yes. That sounds amazing. And for you? I'll do a Diet Coke, and do you still have coffee going? We do have coffee. That's all good. good. I will be right back with that and give you a few minutes. I could make you eat bone marrow. I don't know if you would I like that or not. I do not want to do that, but <laughs> I would for the podcast. Some people panic when I order that. <laughs> 
Okay, so I wasn't quite adventurous enough to try the bone marrow, so we settled on the burrata and grilled bread instead. As Katie went to go grab our drinks and appetizer, Matt and I got back to our conversation. Matt owned his own business, but what eventually brought him back to his alma mater? See, at the time, former Purdue University president Mitch Daniels and Purdue's board of trustees were exploring how to take the well-known alumni-facing organizations across campus, including the Purdue Alumni Association, President's Council, and the John Purdue Club, and bring them together as one. Combining these organizations that had been part of Purdue for so many years would add more ways for alumni to engage, plus add more opportunities for friends and fans, too. Matt explains more. I sold the business in 19 uh, when I was 50 and was going to retire, and that was one of my goals, or at least start to look for a different career. I was tired of that one. And step back multiple years, uh, there was a group in Indianapolis with Boiler Business Exchange that we put together and helped uh, fundraise and do a lot of events down there. And I had given some scholarships on campus. I'd worked with the Alumni Association. I'd been heavily involved with John Purdue Club, named the soccer field after my parents. So multiple folks from the board and Mitch so they asked me to put together a committee. We put together a small committee that summer. They asked me to essentially volunteer for a year to do it. We did, all of us together, studied about 45 or 50 other major schools that had different organizational structures from completely independent alumni associations to completely integrated and then to um, completely non-centralized to centralized advancement functions, uh, engagement functions, and presented to the board that fall. We started on March 10th of 2020. I think March 13th, the university sent everybody home. And on the 15th or 16th, I think I canceled Day of Giving, which was our you know, big one-day giving yeah. event that year. Um, but a few of us just worked through the whole thing, coming up to campus every day and uh, reorganized about 10 different alumni-facing organizations across campus worked with the Alumni Association to pull them into Purdue for Life Foundation, brought in corporations, foundations, events, Marcom uh, for alumni, IT, uh, HR services, um, broad-based campaigns. We'd never had principal giving before we did that. We beefed up a lot of our planned giving and benefits stuff and really just reorganized the whole thing, put everything together, worked really hard on changing culture. And I think that whole culture and working together has really paid off. Matt walks us through how Purdue for Life Foundation is different from other higher ed institutions. And we discuss how Matt and the team came up with the foundation's name. No two systems are the same, but I think we've gone further than anyone with pulling anything, alumni, corporate, foundations, sort of that for life, you know, once you graduate for life, through death even, relationship with the university into one group. And it really works well when you consider the universities in the middle, PRFs over the left and handles you know, all the businesses of the university and building and land and managing the endowment, managing airports and that sort of thing. So really the technical output of the university and selling that. And then we help manage and build a relationship with the human capital export of the university. And Purdue for Life, I love that name. I love how you touched on that. Were there different names on the table or how did that come about? There was four or five that um, we had thrown out on the table, but that one really stuck, we thought, and caught the essence of you know trying to build a relationship between 
the university and the alum or the friend or the family member on a lifetime basis from graduation onward. So as Matt just touched on, Purdue for Life as a name highlights how one's relationship with Purdue is not limited just to their experience during their years as a student, but rather a connection for life. Matt says the best way for Purdue alums to get involved with Purdue for Life and access their content and information is to check out their newly redesigned website, purdueforlife.org. On the Foundation's Get Involved page, you can explore and join alumni clubs, affinity networks, international networks, and other communities. And as for Boilermakers who are spread out across the country and all over the world, Matt says there's plenty of digital and virtual content available too. For example, we even list all the different clubs across the country when there's game watches, where they're going to be, how they can participate when they're traveling and not even in their home area. We try and do you know, all these courses to make them available for people that don't necessarily live here and can attend things in person. So we do a lot of things digitally. We've even made the magazine digital. So instead of it just going to 30,000 PAA members, it now goes out to all 600,000 living alumni. And we've tried to, you know, make digital content available for those that want to see it. And at the same point in time, try and not bombard people with information they don't want to see. I'm pretty proud of the fact that when we were doing the study, there was about 17,000 people a year that would say, disconnect me from the university, it's too much. I, I don't need four emails a day, every day of the year. We've gotten that down now to where I just checked and 37 people had disconnected in the last year. So wow. that's pretty cool. That's incredible. And you can go to the website and you can log into your portal and look at four, maybe 500 different things the university is doing and tell us what you're interested in, what you don't care to hear about, or things you really are passionate about. And here I have your garage. Yay. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Would you like to go ahead and enjoy your appetizer first? Or would you like to order your main contents at the moment? I think we should order. Matt, since go ahead. You're, well, you're such a regular. I want to hear your thoughts and what, what your go-to is. Uh, I'm going to go with the truffled bucatini. And if I and I always have mad scallops onto it. If do you have Great them choice. tonight? Yes, we okay. do. Their scallops are really good, and the bucatini is like has a uh, it has a, uh, a mushroom uh, oil sort of base with it. Yeah. And uh, they, they, I think, when they're done with it, they even fry it a little bit uh, on the on the flat top or something because it's got a little crispiness to the, okay. to the noodles. It's okay. really good. Yeah. Of course, okay, I, I've had everything on this menu and everything's fantastic. I think I'm going to do what Matt what Matt's doing. Go ahead. Set two truffle bucatinis with the scallops right on top. Yes, perfect. Awesome. Beautiful. I'll Thank you. Okay. What do you think? That is delicious. Yes, with that chutney. Yeah, it's a chutney with a, a lot of honey in it. I know that, but... It's so different and unique. Uh-huh. That is a good one. And it's always, the consistency here is always really good. As we enjoyed the rest of our appetizer, Matt discussed his role within Purdue for Life. He says no two days are the same as the president and CEO of the foundation. It's fast-paced, it's exciting, and there's a lot of teamwork involved each and every day. He reflects on a few of his favorite events and memories. Naples is, is a blast. Favorite memories are probably 
more than anything, when you sit down with a donor and talk about their memories of the university and what connects them and why they feel so passionate about the university. I don't know if it's our culture as a university, our grit. I was giving tours to some potential students and it was Friday at like 5.30 and we were still wrapping up. It might've even been at six and the parents were amazed with, I mean, almost every seat on campus was still filled by a student at that point in time, studying, doing homework on a Friday night at five and six o'clock at night. Not the case for a lot of those parents when they were in, in college, no matter where they were. So it's the grit, the endurance, the love of the university, and I think also the passion that people have for the university, knowing that it really moved them forward in their careers and their relationships. And many, many of our alum feel like they really owe a lot of their success back to their days here as a student. Yeah, absolutely. You're touching on it now, but that Boilermaker spirit, you know, you get to see it firsthand every day. Not everyone gets to see that. You went to Purdue, you have that knowledge of the culture and everything. Yeah. But what do you think that that spirit encapsulates when you boil it all down? It's hard work. It's Midwestern hard work and effort, not being afraid to fail and get up and try it again. The collective effort we all had to, in every major, I don't care what it was, that you had to put out to get through the school. There aren't very many universities that can say that sort of thing. And there aren't many universities that can take the kind of pride that we have in our work ethic, our frozen tuition, and the benefits that it gives not only the students, but the families of students and how they're not saddled with so much debt once they're in their early 20s. Alum really buy into that, as do I. And when you look at all we've done, all the, I mean, $1.3 billion in buildings going on on campus right now, the excellence at scale that we have throughout the entire university, there aren't many other schools that do things as well as we do at the volume that we do it at. And I also think one of the ways that we connect, especially students coming through, is we're set up as just a bunch of small little high schools, if you really think about it. And you really get to know so many folks by the time you graduate and have so many of the same sort of experiences that it's a shared community. Matt hears many stories about how alumni donations are impacting Boilermakers. He shares a recent story of why this Purdue community is so special when it comes to giving back and paying it forward for future generations of Boilermakers. A incoming freshman just got word what sort of scholarship dollars she was going to get, and her father got in touch with me to try and get information about the donor because he wanted to send a thank you letter. It was a donor that actually had passed away in 1961 had donated a small amount of money at that point in time and had set up three partial scholarships for students from Delaware County, Muncie, to come to Purdue. And with the way that PRF has managed that endowment and grown it and the way it's been stored throughout the years, that endowment is now worth something like $2.5, $2.6 million and is throwing off about eight or nine full rides, not even partial, to students from that county. The impact that we have, not even just today, but the impact of our alum and even the employees of Purdue for, Le Purdue for Life, 
paying it forward for generations to come. I mean, we're talking about this gentleman now, 50 some years after he passed away and gave this gift. Hopefully he's looking down on us and sees the impact that he's having at the university and with those kids and making sure those kids' families aren't burdened with debt coming out of here. Purdue for Life's annual Purdue Day of Giving happens each April, and it will hit its 11th year this coming April of 2024. In 2023, Purdue for Life raised a record $110.8 million with its 24-hour online social media-driven fundraising efforts. And Purdue Day of Giving's cumulative total since its launch in 2014 is $420.5 million. Matt describes why this event is successful year after year and how it really encapsulates the Boilermaker spirit. We were the first major university to really jump on it. Now everybody does it. We even have a small little business inside of Purdue for Life called State of Wow that um, teaches other universities how to do this. And we really focus on making it a digital event, making it a one-day event, trying to involve as many people as possible, trying to drive our donor numbers, number of donors. Every donation counts. We just want participation. That overall net production number just keeps going up every year. And a lot of that also has to do with goals of the university, both from Mitch's term and laying over into now, and then Mung's new ideas on a lot of different uh, areas where we want to really grow the university. That resonated with alum. People love to participate. We kind of gather as one community that day. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we just started, so we have day giving in the spring, we now have day of service in the fall. So we actually have three or 400 people that come in every year now in the fall. And we do you know, two, three weeks worth of work from the facilities folks. They kind of tee us up on everything, but we go and plant hundreds of trees, work with mulching and raking and landscaping and try and help beautify the campus from that standpoint. And that's actually another really fun day. Okay, you know the moment when the waiter or waitress is bringing out your food at a restaurant and you're just staring longingly at it? And this is that moment for Matt and I. 811 Modern Bistro's head chef, Jamie Zapal, explains more about our dinner order. And this right here is the part where you may find yourself feeling a bit hungry if you haven't already. I'm the hotel executive chef here. I've been here since we opened in August 2020. And I'll talk to you about your entree that you have. Um, You got a bucatini, which is a pasta. It's a long noodle, similar to a spaghetti, but it's got a hole in the middle, so it helps to hold the sauce a little bit better. Inside the sauce is some garlic butter, some bourmonté, which is a French butter sauce. So butter and butter makes for a great (laughs) dish. Some salt, pepper, lemon juice, and then some truffle peelings, um, and also some truffle oil. So the flavor should be pretty balanced, a little bit of salt, acid. On top, you have some diver scallops. These are some of the biggest size of scallops that we can get. They come from the East Coast, and the diver scallops are kind of unique because the divers actually the way that they harvest them is better for the environment um, and it helps to keep the population of scallops continuing instead of using a machine to harvest them all and then there's no more uh, and then they shuck them on the boat and we get them fresh typically next day yeah well, awesome. Any, beautiful. awesome any questions i tried copying this recipe a couple of weeks ago at home and i was not nearly as successful as you are. <laughs> I'd be I love happy to send you home with a copy of the recipe. Oh, now we're go. talking. Yeah, you can try it out. <laughs> now we're talking. Thank you. Awesome. It looks Thank delicious. Thank you very much. Yeah, you all enjoy. Tell me what you think. Good? It's so simple, but I know. it's like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Great choice. Thank you. 
as we finished up our Bucatini, Matt shared more about Purdue for Life's four-year birthday this coming March of 2024. I asked Matt what he thinks Purdue for Life's biggest accomplishment has been so far. Supporting donors where they are and family and friend members where they are, really helping maintain frozen tuition. When Mitch first came here, I think we typically got a little less than $10 million of student support a year. And now last year we were up to $180 million in one year for student support. So that right there tells you how much people buy into that fact and want their dollars to help other families elevate their family, especially first generation families, which is what a land grant flagship university should be doing in a state like this. Moving things forward from that aspect, building buildings, getting all that done with the frozen tuition support, it really always comes down to support of students, support of faculty, support of the university in general, and moving the university and the state and to a large extent the country forward. Moving the university forward is right. During fiscal year 2023, Purdue for Life raised more than $610 million to support the university. So how does Matt feel about the success Purdue for Life has experienced since it was formed in March of 2020? Obviously, it makes me feel great because we're moving the university forward. It's much, much more of a team effort than it has anything to do with my leadership. The new culture that we've instilled and watching people work together on these team basis that we have and doing larger and bigger asks of alum and really working with alum on what their passion points are and how their passion can help some small area of the university move forward, whether it's you know a small donation to help an athlete through JPC or education student or an engineer um, to be able to get their master's or PhD or work with military families or whatever. It's so cool to be able to see all that move forward and, and come to fruition. And obviously we've grown donation numbers net production by over 50% since 19 when we had the last year, the last big campaign on apples to apples dollars. So that's working really well. And it's really impressive when you look, and like last year, higher ed donations fell by over 10%. So, you know, we're doing something right from that standpoint, and it really goes back to donors and their love of the university. As for upcoming Purdue for Life events, Matt highlights Grandparents University, an event the foundation hosts on Purdue's West Lafayette campus, where grandparents and their grandchildren are able to explore and choose from different majors taught by Purdue faculty and staff. My podcast right-hand man and lead video producer, Ted, and I led a session on podcasting, and it was one of my favorite experiences of 2023. One of the big events we instituted this year was Grandparents University. It sold out in like two hours. I think you were a presenter, a teacher yes. in one of the class lanes. We're going from 300 to 1,000 in two different groups next year. Oh it's a really fun event. Oh, it was, I had no idea what to expect. It was so special and meaningful and just heartwarming. The kids and the grandparents had, I don't know who enjoyed it more, the kids or the grandparents? Yes, I think the grandparents honestly might I think have they might have. For those of you who don't know, we bring back for two days, the kids take up different class lanes and the grandparents have to take the class classes with them and there's you know anything and everything you could think of from STEM to acting classes to how to do podcasts. And then at night we had Sharon Hagel, an astronaut, come in and talk to the kids and then a movie and the whole Memorial Mall was full of blow up 
kid toys and jump jumps and pizza trailers Delicious and food, yeah. crazy food. I mean, the sugar high these kids had <laughs> yeah. that night was crazy. And then classes the next day, and then we just like the big kids do, all the all the little kids walk across the stage and graduate and get their name read and get a little Purdue uh, letter jacket P and. Uh, they all got their diplomas, and then when they opened up their diplomas at the end, it was a three-dimensional Purdue Pete that popped out on all of them, so that was kind of cool. The reactions to that were incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As Matt mentioned, Purdue for Life is now offering two different sessions this coming July of 2024 for Grand Parents University, and they're anticipating around 1,000 participants. Grandparents and their grandkids can choose from more than 29 different sessions or majors, as well as embark on a campus field trip, spend the night in a residence hall, enjoy a special block party, and cross the stage during a graduation ceremony. And our This Is Purdue podcast team will be there again leading a major on how to conduct great interviews and produce your very own podcast episode. If you want to find out more information about this incredible event, please visit Purdue for Life's website. Registration for this opens March 13th. So as a Boilermaker since birth, why is Matt proud to be part of this Purdue community and culture? Why wouldn't you be proud to be a Boilermaker? Everything we do, and we, you know, not only everything we do and our rankings and how we're moving everything forward and the camaraderie that we have and uh, that feeling drives the love for the place. And, you know, I, I can't hardly put into words how much I care for the place. And what role has Purdue played in Matt's life? Other than choosing to ask Mary to marry me, it's probably the biggest, best decision I have ever made in my life. And I do love it. I love getting up every day, coming in and doing the job. And it's the people that are so awesome to work with. Purdue people are really special and they come through when they're asked to help. Well, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Anything else you want to share with our listeners? No, just thanks for having me. I love this new format. Um, any of you viewers, obviously, if you want to help support Purdue in any way, get a hold of us and we'll make that happen for you. Special thanks to the 811 Modern Bistro team for hosting us. Our team had so much fun celebrating our first Boilermaker Bites series episode at this gorgeous and not to mention delicious restaurant. You can learn more about this incredible Boilermaker spot and check out the full menu at 811bistro.com. We'll also link that in the show notes for you. Plus, head over to our podcast YouTube page, youtube.com slash at sign, this is Purdue, and check out all of our videos to get a real taste for 811's ambiance, decor, and food. And to learn more about Purdue for Life, please head over to purdueforlife.org. From there, you can check out their Purdue alumnus digital magazine, subscribe to their monthly newsletter, Boiler Update, and so much more. Again, we'll link that in the show notes for you as well. This is Purdue is hosted and written by me, Kate Young. Our podcast videography for this episode was led by Ted Schellenberger in collaboration with Allie Cheney. Our social media marketing is led by Maria Welch. Our podcast distribution strategy is led by Teresa Walker and Carly Eastman. Our podcast photography for this episode was done by John Underwood. Our podcast design is led by Caitlin Freeville. Our podcast team project manager is Rain Goo. Our podcast YouTube promotion is managed by Megan Hoskins and Kirsten Bowman. Additional writing assistance is led by Sophie Ritz and Mara Klopfenstein. And our This Is Purdue intern is Caroline Kine. Thanks for listening to This Is Purdue. For more information on this episode, visit our website at purdue.edu slash podcast. 
there, you can head over to your favorite podcast app to subscribe and leave us a review. And as always, boiler up. <laughs>